Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, April the 15th, 2022. It is currently 8.58 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, not the church, which is actually located in Ovalo, Texas. I'm coming from an upstairs room here in my house. And if you were listening live just a few minutes ago, well, everything went wrong. First, I was saying a word incorrectly. And while I was getting ready to correct the word, someone, for some reason, was knocking on the door. I had to stop the live broadcast, run downstairs, open the door, and no one is there. So it turned into a distraction. It turned into something irritating. It turned, but main thing, it turned into a distraction. It stopped me from focusing on, well, trying to provide a devotional thought. I had to stop that and go open the door for that distraction. Now, I don't know if you realize this. If you look around your world, there are millions of things, hundreds of thousands, millions upon millions of things calling for you to turn your focus and attention away from the things of God. There are millions of things in this world wanting your affection, wanting your attention, wanting your devotion, basically wanting your worship. And we know that as Christians, we are supposed to be giving our affection, our attention, our devotion, and our worship to God. We are to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul. No, we never accomplish that. We fall short. That's why we have to be saved by an imputed righteousness, because our practical righteousness would never be sufficient. But we are called to do just that. And anything that comes along that tries to steal your devotion, that tries to steal your affection, that tries to steal your worship, that basically we refer to that as an idol, And if you have been a Christian for just a little bit of time, you realize all of these things constantly pulling you in this direction and this direction and this direction. And sometimes by the end of the day, you've given your attention, your affection, your devotion. You may never want to admit it in some ways, even your worship to everything other than God. I mean, think about how many hours a day people walk around with their head bowed, not in prayer, but their head bowed, looking at their phone, looking at a mobile device. Now, sometimes people are using that, hopefully, for spiritual good. But in many cases, it's for everything other. may not even be anything necessarily sinful, but your affection, your attention, your devotion is being given to this other thing. And so I think there, there are times, maybe, maybe you've never experienced this, but I think there's times that in your Christian life, you just want to scream out, I live in a world full of idols. The city is full of idols. The state is full of idols. You feel like everything around you wants your, they want your time. It wants everything from you. And that's, you end up giving it to everything other than God. So I just wanted to take a few minutes this morning to offer some devotional thoughts on the subject of idolatry. I've got some writing, I think it's from maybe the 1600s, 1700s. I don't have the date right here in front of me, uh, but I really just want to look at three passages of scripture primarily. I don't know if I'll get to the what I have here in front of me, uh, but I just want to get to three scriptures. So let's start in 1 Peter chapter 4. 
1 Peter chapter 4, where the first attempt to do this broadcast, this is where everything went wrong, all right? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banqueting, and abominable idolatries. Abominable idolatries. Now, that's an interesting word, abominable. Now, abominable means causing moral revulsion, very bad or unpleasant, abominable. Um, uh, abominable, uh, they use this in a sentence, the uprising was suppressed with abominable cruelty. So abominable, something that is that should cause moral revulsion. Well, idolatry should cause you some kind of moral revulsion. You should be revolted by idolatry. But let's be fair. There's not a lot. I mean, look, if if a pastor falls into certain sins, everybody, that's revolting. That's revolting. That is horrible. That is disgusting. I'm so upset. I'm so disappointed. But you know what? A pastor could be committing idolatry and you rarely, I mean, when was the last time someone was church disciplined for idolatry. I don't think we're really, I don't think there's any revulsion. I don't think anybody's revolted. I don't think anyone's disgusted. I don't think anyone's bothered by adult idolatry. It's almost in many cases, can we dare say this? In some ways, it's kind of one of those, if you think about it, there are sins that are not accepted, and there are those sins that are kind of accepted by the church. And I mean, what I mean by that, nobody, I mean, People will say it's a sin, but there's no real scandal. It's not, there's so many, like, like pride. Pride is, God resists the proud. But you don't see people church discipline for pride. You don't see a, you know, a conference about pride. Now, if you use a different P word and we say pornography, oh, everyone will lose their mind. Pride, not so much. Pornography, that shut everything down, right? Idolatry, okay, yeah, it's a sin, but you 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 bring in a sexual sin, everyone will go crazy. It's just weird, like pride, idolatry. These are I'm going to refer to them almost like a Christian acceptable sin, or dare I say that we treat them almost like a Catholic perspective, like sexual sins. Those are mortal sins. Pride, idolatry. There's a those are kind of venial sins. I, I think we all have to acknowledge that, that that can happen, but they're abominable. Now, let's do this. Let's do this. I didn't even think about this. What's the Greek word translated abominable here? All right. You know what I like to do. If you have the Blue Letter Bible app, I always tell people to, to open it up because I like you to see it for yourself. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3 in the uh, Blue Letter Bible app, and we look for the word abominable, it is, it is this Greek word. Abominable, it, it comes from this Greek word. Here we go. Strong's G111, athematos, athematos. Athematos, athematos. Athematos is used, it's, uh, it's used two times. It's translated unlawful things one time and abominable. Now just think, I like unlawful, uh, that idolatry is abominable. It is unlawful. Uh, Strong's definition 
um, of Athematos is illegal. That's interesting. Um, abominable, unlawful thing. Um, so, I mean, it's not used a lot. It's contrary to the law and justice, prohibited by law, illicit criminal. So it's like uh, idolatry is a criminal, illicit, horrible thing. Yet we, we, we sometimes don't see it. So I just want you to uh, just write down that phrase, abominable idolatries, abominable idolatries, abominable idolatries. All right, abominable idolatries. Okay, I don't even remember how I was saying it incorrectly in the previous live broadcast. Probably because I was distracted about what was going on downstairs. Abominable. I think I was saying ab- abominable. I don't even know what I was saying. Abominable, all right? But that's what happens when you are on a live broadcast and you're trying to talk, right? You're trying to talk. But in... in the- now... You're like, that's irritating. I know. But if you think about it, I, 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 idols are constantly doing this. They're knocking at your door. Right? I'm going to pray. They're knocking at your door. I'm going to read my Bible. They're, I'm going to spend time thinking about, I'm going to do times Bible study. I'm going to listen to a sermon. Right? Uh, idols may be, they're constantly calling at you. They're trying to get your attention. So in a roundabout way, it serves as a great illustration. Uh, everything went wrong, but it's, I should have just kept the live broadcast going because I think it would have even been a greater illustration, right? It would have been, not only did it distract me from saying abominable right, it distracted me from even doing the live broadcast. So that distraction though is what idols do. They call for you here, over here, over here, over here, over here. I mean, in one day, you've got a million things competing for your time and your attention and your affection. But there is abominable idolatries, abominable idolatries. Do you really perceive it to be something of of moral revulsion? Do you really do you really believe that? All right. Let's go to a second passage of scripture. Let's go to Acts seventeen sixteen. Acts seventeen sixteen. Acts 17, 16. I have to laugh because already this live broadcast has been messed up once. You're not going to believe what's currently happening. Right here on my computer screen, I just got a a little orange dot just appeared that my computer at some point is going to shut down because it needs to do an update. If that happens in the middle of the live broadcast, I'm going to cry. But see, once again, something to distract me, but I got to stay focused. Acts 17, 16. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. The city wholly given to idolatries. Uh, I have a kind of a commentary here that translates it this way. When Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, in this particular case, in the historical setting, you're talking actual idols that they would bow down to, things that were, you know, carved out, things, you know, these these actual images that they created. But in our culture, we may not be bowing down to some statue that someone carved out, 
that someone may, but there are, our cities are full of things, once again, just calling for your affection, your attention, distracting you from the things of God, that you give yourself to it. Instead of giving yourself to God, you give yourself to these other things, these other... They're there, and, they're, and next thing you know, you're, you're, you're looking at it. You're bowing yourself to it. The city was full of idols, abominable idolatries. The city was full of idolatries. And then Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 38. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 38. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 50. I'm laughing just because I can't believe how, how, bad, how bad things have gone this morning already. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 38. All right. Jeremiah 50, verse 38. A drought is upon her waters. This is Jeremiah 50, verse 38. A drought is upon her waters, and they shall be dried up, for it is the land of graven images, and they are mad upon their idols. Please let it up. It is a land of graven images, and they are mad upon their idols. All right. Uh, an, an, another tra- or a, a commentary here translates it this way. The whole land is filled with idols and the people are madly in love with them. Jeremiah 50, 38. They're madly in love with them. Now, I just want you to see how, I think that's a very powerful thing because if you think about our culture, how many times people say, oh, I loved that. Oh, we went on vacation and I loved this particular state, or I loved where we were staying, or I loved the restaurant we ate at, or I loved time with, with the family, or I loved the scenery, or, or I loved the weather. I loved, I loved that movie. I loved that concert. I loved, 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 I loved. We say that all the, I love this. I love that. Oh, I love that kind of ice cream. Now I know, listen, that that just almost becomes a figure of speech. But, but at the same time, it should at least make us pause to go, wait a minute. Am I giving my affection my devotion, my attention, dare I say, my worship to so many things other than God. I mean, if you think about it, we do a lot, we, 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 we do it, we commit a lot of spiritual adultery. Let's just be honest, all right? I think everyone listening this morning or this afternoon, whenever you hear this, we're all guilty of spiritual adulteries. We run around on God, we cheat. We're like, Lord, I love you, and I'm devoted to you, and I'm committed to you, but I'll be right back because I've got to go give my love and my devotion to something else. But I'll come back to you, promise. I, 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 I'll show up. It may be Sunday. I'll come back to you, but I mean, right now it's Friday, and I got a lot of things to do on a Friday. I mean, I think there's a little bit of that. So abominable idolatries. The city was full of idols, and the people were madly in love with them. So we have 1 Peter 4, 3, Acts 17, 16, Jeremiah 50, verse 38. Now, I believe it was Calvin, and I'm paraphrasing here, who said something along these lines. I do not have the direct quote in front of me. So please don't write this down as a quote from Calvin, but it was clearly, it's influenced by Calvin, inspired by Calvin. But Calvin said something like this, that the human heart is an idol factory. 
the human heart is an idol factory. Now, I've always thought that was a powerful quote. And I think, and, and we would have to go find the quote in its proper context to know exactly what he means here. I think that that almost seems to imply that it's our heart that creates the idols. It's the heart that creates the idols. And I think what we, I think it would be fair to say this. If you look at the, the history of humanity, the history of the human race, that we're constantly, as humans, creating things, right? Making things that we then give our affection to, right? We create, the, the humanity is always creating things to entertain us, to get our attention, to get our affection. So is it the human heart, think of it this way, is it possible that what the human heart does is it constantly creates that creates almost an alternative to God. God should get our pleasure and our love, and we create things that get our pleasure and love. Is it, is it simply that the human heart is always creating these things that become our idols because we're seeking a, a God alternative? Is it, simply, uh, is it simply that this, the idea, not that the human heart creates the idols, but the human heart is constantly turning to anything that because of our sinfulness, the human heart will always look for a, a God alternative, a, a, a something almost like a, to supplement God. Like here's God, but instead of going to God, I'm going to, I'm going to look for this alternative. I'm going to look for a counterfeit, a counterfeit God. Is that a good way of putting it? That is it the heart? Is it the human heart that creates the idol? Or is it the sinful heart that just will will settle for a counterfeit? That anything that we give our affection and our attention to, we are tr- we are treating it as a god, right? So I, is it the heart creates it, or it's the heart, the sinful heart? Instead of going to God, will always look for something other than God. Because the, the closer we get to God, the more the, the more aware we become of our own sin. See, the, the more we see God as he truly is, then the more we see ourselves as we truly are. We, we've talked about that a, a, a million times. So Calvin would, would seem, I, yeah, well, exactly what did he mean? We would have to pull up the quote. Well, exactly what did he mean by the, the human heart is an idol factory? I think the human heart is an idol seeker that we seek out anything other than God that we are that we will turn to anything first. Like before we get to God, we'll turn to anything else that will bring us comfort or peace or satisfaction or pleasure or and we'll give ourselves to that and we'll be we'll find some level of satisfaction in it. I think some cases people find a greater satisfaction in anything other than God. I, I think there's a little bit of truth here. Um, here's, here's from one writing from the past. Whatever we love more than God, whatever we worship more than God, whatever we crave for more than God is an idol. 
Whatever we love more than God, whatever we worship more than God, whatever we crave for more than God is an idol. And I think we constantly love things more than God, even though we would say that we don't. We constantly worship things more than God, even though we say we don't. And we constantly crave for things more than God, because I think the human heart, again, I don't know if I would say it's an idol factory, but it's an idol seeker. It seeks anything other than God because the human heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. We may even deceive ourselves that we actually love God the most, but we really seek everything other than God. This writing goes on to say, Respectable idols we can admire, vulgar idols we detest, but an idol is an idol, however respectable or however vulgar, however admired, or however despised they may be. We have respectable idols, right? Like, it's one thing, if we think of an idol as, you know, heroin, meth, cocaine, alcohol, some kind of sexual thing, you're like, well, that's become your idol. Well, that's vulgar, that's despicable, we will condemn that. But I think other things can become our idol. Right? Our, our career, uh, money, financial security, family, friends, uh, hobbies. And, and none of those things would have to necessarily be sinful. But if we love them more than God, worship them more than God, or crave them more than God, they become an idol. How, have we not all in various ways set up some beloved idols? something which engaged our affections, something which occupied our thoughts, something to which we devoted all the energies of our mind, something for which we were willing to labor day and night. And in what ways have you set up some beloved idols? Think of, think of something which you've engaged your affections to, something that occupies your thoughts, something which you're devoted to, you devote your energy and your mind to, something for which you're willing to labor day and night for. We set up idols constantly. And and when I say set them up, we set them up because our heart is drawn to them other than God. See, to be drawn to God, boom, you're always confronted with your sin and how far, how, what you are not. But if you can find other things, like we, we all, I think everyone wants God in the sense because nobody would want to be separated from God for all eternity in hell. So we want heaven, but we, but other things that God may provide, right? Peace, joy, all these other things. Well, we we look for, we're willing to settle for a counterfeit. The human heart, because the human heart, in many cases, because our heart is wicked, never truly wants God. We want, we want a God. We don't want the God. Everybody wants a God. Everybody likes the concept of a God, but if we get like, okay, there's God, but then we really look for everything that's a counterfeit, that it's it's trying to offer something that we should only find in God. So, I'll end with this. Abominable idolatries, 1 Peter 4, 3. Acts 17, 16. The city is full of idols. Jeremiah 50, verse 38, the whole land is filled with idols and people are madly in love with them. 
Now, this whole broadcast started with me, first of all, not saying abominable, but saying abominable, <laughs> right? For some weird reason, abominable. Part of the reason was, well, I was trying to say abominable. I was being distracted. My attention was being, my affection went away from wanting to do a broadcast about idolatry. My affection turned into, why is someone knocking on my door at nine or nine something in the morning? What is going on? Don't know who it was. Don't know what it was. Okay. But my, my affections, see, because my anger went to that. Instead of focusing on wanting to minister, I wanted to go say, do you mind? Right. So I, I was distracted. My affections went to something. So everything got messed up. Now, I almost allowed it. I almost allowed it to, to just say, you know what? Forget it. I'm not even going to record today. I can't deal with another mess up. I can't deal with it. I almost did that. But I came back up here, refocused, and said, I think this is important. And I think that, that everything that happened serves as a perfect, a perfect illustration in a sense of the way idols work. They're there. They're there. They're, and, and you can say, I know, I know in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8. I think it's Psalm 115, 4 through 8. Let me look at it really quick. I'm, I'm going from memory here. I believe it's Psalm 115. Uh, yes, Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 115, verse 4. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They, they have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes they have, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. Uh, they that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. Now, obviously referring to physical idols that actually cannot speak, cannot do anything. But let me make it clear that in a roundabout way, even though an idol may not speak, may not have hands, all right, um, even though an idol may not have these things, they still... They're still knocking. They're still calling for you over here, 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 over here. I hear their voice every day. Hey, hey, this or this, because there's a million things that I love and things that I like and things that I'm drawn to. And yes, I even use the word love because I will use it. I love this. But in many cases, I'm giving myself to that other than God. Now, let's remind ourselves. We're, all of us are guilty of idolatry. We're all idolater. We're all idolaters. We're all fallen short. That's why my salvation has to be based off an imputed righteousness. I'm not saying that. Hey, you got to fix your idolatry, or you're not saved, because that would be foolish. Because we're all idolaters. What I'm saying is that our salvation is in an imputed righteousness, but because of the great mercy and grace shown to us by God, we should be convicted that we take all of his wonderful blessings and then we give our a love and affection to every counterfeit that comes along. That is what we would have to say. So hopefully the distraction that I experienced turns in to a good thing, right? Hopefully someone said, I'm grateful you came back to finish the message. Well, 
I'm grateful you still listened. If you were listening to me going, abdominable, abdominable, okay? I'm trying to say abdominable, and then I'm like, wait a minute, that's it's it's not abdominable. And I'm like, I, I better actually look at the word. Oh, it's abominable. Okay, never mind. I gotta, I, and then I was like, I've got to end the broadcast because I, you, I know the microphone couldn't pick it up, but I could definitely hear someone was downstairs. So, um, but that's all over. It's done. Hopefully a good thing came from it. All right? All right. I'm going to try to do... All right, thanks, thanks, uh, Will, for tuning in. I appreciate it, and uh, Nicole for t- tuning in. I appreciate it, and I do apologize for the for the mess up at the beginning. It just uh, that's what happens. Now, what I better do really, really quick is I got to restart my computer really fast because uh, your device needs to reinstall uh, to restart to install updates. So I need to do that uh, before this broadcast gets messed up. But I'm going to try to be back. Uh, shortly, because I'm supposed to be headed to Dallas here um, in the next hour or so. So let's uh, see what else we can get done this morning. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.